Welcome back, business gal pals. This week, I'm talking to Kathleen about creating a strong brand through storytelling. And Kathleen is the perfect person to have this conversation with us because she's a messaging expert whose insight has been featured via TEDx, Thrive Global, Fempreneur Online, Much More Media, Captivate and Convert, She Built This, and other outlets. With a degree in theater performance, And over a decade as an actor, director, writer, editor, and educator, Kathleen draws on her diverse experiences to help mission-driven experts like yourself design and deliver their world-changing messages through TEDx coaching and done-for-you copywriting services. Welcome, Kathleen. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you. You read my bio in such a lovely way. It was nice to listen to. Oh, I'm so glad. Yeah, I like to make it just really, you know, personable and real. We're real people. It's not just like a list of things. (laughs) Here are my 17 credits that you should pay attention to. I love it. So I love kind of your origin story that you're like this fellow theater nerd. You know, that's where I got my start. And I think we have Mm -hmm. that in common. And it's, it's so fun to connect now on this side of life, being in the business realm and taking everything we learned and kind of bringing it to the table in the unique ways that we do. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about the origin of Bright Cat Creative and how that all came to be? Yeah, so my first career was in theater. My degree is in classical theater performance. So I studied all the old dead white guys that everyone still likes to go listen to and watch. And I worked as an actor and a director in Chicago after graduation for a little over a decade. And then during that time, I also co-founded a national touring arts education company with another actor and worked with that company for about eight years. And it was through that experience of owning that company that I started to explore copywriting. And I was you know, writing for our website, writing our emails. I was also doing all sorts of writing that was not copy, writing plays and lyrics and music and everything that we needed for the artistic side. But it was really my sort of door into Narnia (laughs) where I started learning about SEO and social media. And so when I decided it was time to leave the theater industry, I made a very short hop, skip, and a jump detour to law school and eventually came back to no copywriting is really where where my my values can be lived out in a really meaningful way. And so I had been copywriting as a side hustle for quite a while before I left the theater industry while I was still running my children's theater but it was really when I decided like law school is not for me (laughs) dropping out of law school that I went full-time in my messaging business and so now I have the copywriting side of that and then the other side of my messaging business is being a TEDx coach and so both of those things really center around helping people get the message that is on their heart out of their heart and into the minds of their audience so that they can really make the impact in the world that they want to make. So important. That's, that's just like an amazing calling to step into. And 
I love your little detours, like law school, just for fun, just to see if I like it. Oh, wait, no. I mean, just the confidence that you had to have to to go to law school, but then also to quit law school, you know, and I know you have a TEDx talk all about that experience. Tell us again what that's called, the Brave Leap Sideways. Yeah, the Brave Leap Sideways. Yeah, it's a great talk. Anyone who wants to check it out, if you're a total TEDxophile like I am, you're going to love it. It's wonderful. And it really demonstrates the power of Kathleen's story and also her storytelling abilities. It was great to see you on the stage. And I think that entrepreneurs really identify with it because we have all taken a brave leap sideways, whether we started in corporate or we went to school thinking we were going to go corporate or we just grew up in our society, which says there's a specific way to do things. And then we say, no, I want to do it a different way. And that's sort of part and parcel of being an entrepreneur. So we have all made that brave leap sideways. And I think that most people make many brave leaps sideways across the course of their life. So there's always something that someone will latch onto and come back to me and be like, I loved this, or I really, this resonated with me or identified with this part of your talk. Yeah. We all live that curvy path. It's never, Mm -hmm. it's never a completely straight line. (laughs) Right. (laughs) That's for sure. So what can we do to recognize the value of our personal stories of these experiences and the lessons and the insights that we've had along the way? You know, I had a coffee chat a few weeks ago with someone that I had met through a networking group. And when I asked her to share with me what she was doing, she was like, well, I have a really boring story, actually. And she talked for a couple of minutes about how she got from point A to point B to point C to point D. And when she was done, I said, that's not, that's not a boring story. What I'm hearing is, and I pulled out that she was an investment banker, which automatically makes most people go, oh, you're, you're smart. You know things. You're impressive. I'm a little intimidated by you. Um, and she had gone through all of these different lily pads to leap from in her story. But because she wasn't recognizing the value of that, she sat back and said, oh, it's such a boring story. Like, I'm apologizing for having to tell you what, what happened with my life. And so I think that sometimes we can get so used to our own stories that we really miss the value in them. And it does take having someone else hearing that story and saying, oh, I mean, just like what, what I was saying about, about people listening to my TEDx talk, where they come back and they're like, this particular part really touched a nerve or this particular part made me think about X, Y, or Z. So telling our stories and having people respond to us is a really great way to hear what those sort of electric parts of the stories that we tell are. And so I think that when we feel like "Ah, our stories don't have value or they're boring or people won't care we hide those stories, we don't tell them. And that robs us of the experience of learning what those lily pads are. And then it robs our audience the experience because we never look, because we never learn what those points are that we should really be highlighting. 
we never go out and share them and people don't hear them. And it's just this cycle of people missing out on these stories that, that really should be told that help us connect to each other. Oh, that's a great way to put it, that people are missing out on that connection Mm -hmm. when you're not willing to tell that story, no matter how boring I think it is. And you guys, some of us have gone through so much trauma in our lives. We love the boring stories, like bring me some Hallmark channel (laughs) where I know it's a happy ending. I'm into it. I'm here for it. Bring all the stories to the table. I don't need the drama. They all have value. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And we all know the power of you know, the personal cathartic power of sharing a story that does have trauma and drama in it. Mm -hmm. And I think like you're saying, even those ones that feel boring, there's a, there's a personal cathartic experience in opening up and telling your story and just being vulnerable in -hmm. that way. Even when you're thinking like, gosh, I sound so boring. I mean, that is its own vulnerable place to be sitting and <laughs> opening is. up and sharing. Yeah. And I think it's so important to share your stories and open up in that way, because as business owners, I mean, everyone talks about no like, and trust, right? And I think that, that we're, so obviously people need to know you I think that like can get confused with respect. I think that maybe no respect and trust is, is better. Um, and, but trust, in order to have trust in someone, you really need to be able to see their vulnerability. We might know that someone exists. We might have great respect for them, but without seeing who they are as a human, most of us as individual people, as consumers, we aren't going to to lean in and kind of wrap ourselves up in that trust until we see, oh, this is this is another real human. This person is like me. This person has had similar experiences. This person understands where I'm at. And that all comes from storytelling. So what would you say to someone who feels that struggle with telling their story? They just feel kind of like when they go to let it out, you know, it gets corked up and it just doesn't quite want to come out of the bottle. Like what's a good place for them to start to try to start to experience that, to create that connection and and bring their story out to the table? So we're talking about people's like brand story. So I think there's a real... crossover between brand story and personal story, Mm -hmm. Um, especially for the women who are listening to this podcast and the way you and I do business. Mm -hmm. The brand story is the personal story. Mm -hmm. It's all about that authenticity, that vulnerability, that real genuine human connection. And so they kind of go hand in hand. But yeah, in terms of being an entrepreneur, being new to the entrepreneurial scene and feeling like, okay, you know, I'm a person, I've been alive this long, obviously have some kind of story to tell, but I'm a little bit afraid to start talking about myself or the Mm -hmm. things that I've been through or why I'm doing what I'm doing. What's a good place you think for them to start to kind of pull some of that story out? Yeah. So I, um, almost everyone that I work with, as far as my clients are, they're all personal brands. And so there is very much that overlap of like, my life story, I'm not like writing a memoir, but just like I did in the beginning of this podcast, I pull out the parts that are most relevant to a conversation that we're having. And so your story might 
change depending on whether you're putting it on an about page on your website or you're sharing it on a podcast or you're telling a story in an email that's going out to your listeners. But I think that if you're really struggling to get that story out of your brain um, and into the world, whether that's verbally or in a blog or whatever, it's a really good idea to think about the key elements of your business, think about the values of your business and how you got to those values. I'm a big believer that values are the foundation of, or should be maybe the foundation of everything that we do in our business and and everything that we do in our lives too. They guide every decision that we make. And so having a really good handle on okay, how do I want to show up in the world? How do I want to live my life? Putting a label on those things. So for me, like autonomy and agency is a big one. Calm is a big one. Simplicity is a big one for me. And saying, okay, what happened in my life that I now feel like those are, those are priorities for me. So like running a business that is based on calm is really important to me because in my first business, I did not experience that. I was working with a business partner who is a lovely, beautiful human. She is still my very best friend in the world, but she had a very different sense of urgency than I did. And I'm a big believer that there are no children's theater emergencies unless someone is hurt. And I carry that into my business now. There are no copywriting emergencies. (laughs) And so figuring out, okay, maybe maybe there are some stories that I can tell about that business that can point to why I do business the way I do now. Maybe I can look even back to, well, how was life when I was working as an actor? How was life when I was in college? Like, don't think about trying to create your entire A to Z story all at once. Think about talking points. Like if you're watching an interview with Stephen Colbert or uh, one of the Jimmies or that kind of show and a celebrity comes on, they're not asking that celebrity to share every moment of their life that led up to the movie that they're promoting. But they do ask very specific questions that may or may not be directly related to the movie, but that end up teaching us something about the experience of the movie, something about the content of the movie. And so really look at creating those like mini stories, those little sound bites for yourself. And then you can string them together in different ways, depending on what that larger story that it, it is that you want to be telling. And it gives you a lot of flexibility if you look at it from that perspective. Yeah, absolutely. That makes sense to kind of pull out the, the bigger, more in full color memories, maybe <laughs> not those like yeah. kind of black and white day to day. Um, you know, I, I just think of the Goonies when they tell chunks, like start at the beginning. <laughs> He's like, when I was in second grade and he just like is telling all the stories, you know, and that, that's not the information they were after. You want that, that relevant experience. Mm -hmm. Pull out the words that are colorful, pull out the words that that raise your blood pressure or that make you laugh or whatever, whatever you or people who hear the story 
are having a reaction to, remember that. Circle it, highlight it, write it down, whatever you need to do. Because over time, as you practice those stories, you're going to get more of that, that, um, that data response and say, oh, this one always makes people laugh. This one always gets, a, oh, wow, really? And then you can start stringing those pieces together to create a really tight, holistic story. So how do we go from story to brand messaging? Because brand messaging doesn't necessarily mean telling our whole story or even mm -hmm. telling, you know, bits of our story. It's more about what our brand is doing, why we're doing it, you know, communicating those values. So how do we go mm -hmm. from that sort of point A of finally understanding those pieces of our story that stand out and then point B of, you know, developing that brand messaging. So I think that you're absolutely right that it comes back to values. <laughs> and part of what I think trips people up when we think about using storytelling and uh, connecting that to values and selling what we do, whether that's a service or a product or a program, is that we forget that everything is a story. Everything gives our audience input to who we are and why we do what we do. So when you write a one sentence social media post, that's a story. You're telling a story and maybe it doesn't, it doesn't align with what we learned a story was in English class. Maybe it doesn't have a specific middle or beginning and middle and end with a rising action and a conflict and a denouement. Like it doesn't have to have all of that. But what it does have to do is connect with the person on the other end who it's meant to connect to. It's not, nothing that you write is ever going to connect with everyone who sees it. We can look at really small pieces. So your story isn't necessarily just, like I said before, what you share on your about page or on your sales page or any of that. But as, as an example, in my email signature, I have my pronouns because it is a personal value of mine to be an ally for that community. And because it's still a fairly new thing to share our pronouns, I have it hyperlinked. I say, I say she, her, hers, and then in parentheses, I say, what's this with a hyperlink? And it takes them to a LinkedIn post that talks about why I think it's important to share our pronouns. And so that LinkedIn post obviously is a story, but even just that one line that is my pronouns and then a link that says, what's this? If you already know what pronouns are used for, that in of itself is a story. That story is saying either Kathleen is a member of the LGB LGBTQIA2S plus community, or she's an ally. And that's a very specific thing that goes back to my values, but it is a story. And so we can really look at how we're showing up and telling stories in those small ways that help us either or both, I suppose, attract the people who are meant to be in our communities and in our audiences and repel those who are not our right people. Absolutely. That is definitely, I think, the purpose of really powerful brand messaging, probably even more than attract, it's going to repel. I often talk mm -hmm. to my clients about 
we're going after that 10% of the market that really is our core people, which means 90% of people are not going to like what you're doing. They're not going right. to like what you're saying. They're going to be like, that picture is stupid. Those colors, <laughs> I don't like them. What are you talking Why about? Why did and she say that thing? The Who sooner that? we can get that right. out of the way, the better, right? Like, mm-hmm. got it, it clears the me. way. It clears Move on. the way for the people who you can really make an impact with. It's like a beacon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I come, love that. come to me. Come to me. I will serve you. Hey, business gal pals. This episode is all about brand messaging. And we all know that our brand message is a really important way to communicate who we are, what we believe in, and connect with those people who are the right fit for us and our businesses. And I'm doing something really exciting. I am putting together a multi-author book called Business on Purpose, 25 inspiring stories of women overcomers who are changing the world. With this project, I'm going to be uplifting 25 amazing women and helping them bring their story forward so they can use it as an authentic marketing tool to elevate their brand authority. If you're interested in being part of the Business on Purpose family, go to confidentconcept.com slash application or check out the link in the show notes and I'll be in touch to see if it's a good fit. So what are some key elements of storytelling for impact? Like to really communicate something with emotion and with clarity that can touch the heart of those right people. So I like to tell people And I will tell your listeners now, those of you listening, as you are writing, remind yourself of the five senses. You might be writing about something that it doesn't really make sense to talk about what something tasted like, and that's fine. But run through the five senses and say, can I describe what I was hearing? Can I describe what I was smelling? Can I describe what I, what was tactile in that environment, what textures of things were, because those are all very human experiences. And of course, there are people who who don't experience one sense or another, or sometimes multiple senses, but for the most part, there is something in there that we can relate to. And it immediately sucks us in to that moment of your story. Oh yeah, I'm back in high school and I'm sitting in that sort of plasticky, sort of woodeny desk and it's 90 degrees and I am sweating and my thighs are sticking to the chair because I decided to wear short shorts to school. And when I stand up, I felt my thighs peel off. Things like that, that, that just like bring us into the moment and bring us into what you were experiencing, those are going to create that human connection that makes us want to read to the next sentence. And that's always the goal, right? Like you write a first sentence with the goal of getting them through that sentence and, and them wanting to read the next one. And it keeps going all the way through so that hopefully they get all the way down to the bottom of whatever the copy is that you are creating. Yeah, that's a great point that it's, it's about enticing them to go further. And then kind of in the macro sense, the same thing, the overall like 
feeling and experience that you're communicating through the words should entice them to then go further in that pathway toward interacting with you and potentially mm-hmm. working with you. It really is that idea of drawing people in through that genuine connection instead of just like flashing shiny sale signs and right. look what a discount, you know, I mean, <laughs> even that has to have its own story. Why does mm-hmm. a discount matter to those people? Why do they want mm-hmm. cheaper prices? Um, you know, I think Target's a great example there. They say like what you value most shouldn't cost more, right? And that speaks mm-hmm. to a very particular segment of people. There are people who think, well, of course, what I want most is the best and I want it to cost more, right? And then there yeah. are people who, you know, love that idea that Target's presenting. So and even that, that comes back too to like who you're attracting and who you're repelling, right? The people who are going to go buy furniture at West Elm, are probably not the same people who are going to go buy furniture at Target because they're communicating their value and their story in a very, very different way. I'm not going to go look at restoration hardware for my furniture because I know that I am not a restoration hardware shopper. But Target, Ikea, absolutely. I am their client. I am their customer. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, those are my people. Totally. <laughs> I can relate to that. And wow, this could go on and on and on. <laughs> but that's how important it is. Absolutely. That's how important it is to, to sort of create that divide for your audience. So what can we do to clearly communicate more succinctly? Because these examples we've been talking mm-hmm. about, they're one line, two lines, you know, just very quick and short. And that's kind of the world mm-hmm. we live in today. Social media, um, even emails. Nobody wants a really long email so much mm-hmm. anymore, or at least they want to have some eye-catching bullet points as they skim right. it to decide if they want to read the whole thing. Um, mm-hmm. So how can we bring that brevity to the space of messaging? I think that editing is a huge part of that that getting your ideas down on paper and then letting them rest. Like don't write and then go back and edit. So I, as a writer, sometimes struggle with that. I like to edit as I write and I like to go back and fix things right away. But ultimately that's not the most efficient way to make change. And so when you create a post or when you create an email, it's good to give yourself the time to sleep on it, or at least like go for a walk, close the document, because then when you reopen it, you can really see it with fresh eyes and say, oh, do I really need to share this particular detail or even wordy phrases that you can remove? Because like you said, there are a lot of people who just skim things. There are people who I, I call them scanners. I imagine them like, like a, this is also probably like dating me, but if you've ever watched like a copy machine, the light kind of go back and forth. That's what I imagine their brains doing. So they scan from point to point to point. And then there are the detectives who are people like me who want to read every single line. But even for people like me, if you've got a lot of extra words that just don't need to be there. If they don't bring a lot of value, if they don't pack a punch, even detectives like me 
are going to be like, mm, I'm going to start scanning this document instead of reading every word. So definitely taking the breaks, reading through, editing, asking yourself, and trying to be really honest with yourself about what needs to be there and what doesn't. If, you're, if you've been in a creative community at all, you've probably heard the phrase, kill your darlings. Yeah, just like the parts we really love, the parts that we were so proud of being clever about, get rid of them. I like to to put them in a different document. I have a whole just like running list of random phrases and sentences or sometimes whole chunks of paragraphs that I've cut because I like to think about it like there's tasty snacks that I get to save for later. And there, and there often is another time where I can go and I can be like, okay, this, this super cute sentence that I wrote for blog A, but really didn't need to be there. I'm going to make it its own thing. And then that makes that storytelling for that particular line or that particular little anecdote or whatever, even more powerful by pulling it out and making it something separate. I love that. It's like a, like a darling's daycare. (laughs) You drop your little darlings off and you come back to them when you're ready. (laughs) Yes. That's beautiful. That's so cool. I love that idea of taking one of those and instead of just nixing it from your life altogether, being able to expand on it later Mm -hmm. and turn it into something, you know, in its own right that it can sort of breathe and live and Mm -hmm. have its place. And make an even bigger impact than it would have had you kept it in that original whatever it was that you were writing. Yeah. So would you ever recommend having someone else read through things? Yes or no? I and would. It, yes. So like who? As How a, do you know if someone's the right person? As an editor, I very much would recommend that. So a lot of the work that I do is people bringing me their sales pages or bringing me their website copy or something that either they've created or someone else has created for them and going through it and killing their darlings for them (laughs) (laughs) and revising and and redrafting if need be which means like the idea is here but we're going to scrap all the words on the page and we're going to start fresh from that idea um I think that it can be incredibly helpful to have someone else's eyes and perspective on the work that you could that you create because there's there's that distance even so it's it's really hard to write for yourself a lot of the time I just actually I sent an email to my list about this earlier this week because I'm writing some of my own copy for a workshop that's coming up in a couple months And it's just a very different experience to write for other people, which is what I do most of the time. I'm I'm writing for other coaches or I'm writing for other service providers. And then coming back to my own (laughs) work where I'm like, for other people, I can bring my theater training in. I can say okay, what are the motivations we need to worry about? What are the tactics that have that they've used before? What's worked and what's not? What are new tactics we can try? And really like stepping into who they are, who their clients are, putting on that costume, so to speak, and, and creating from within that. But when you're writing for yourself, you're really close 
to your work. You're really close to who you are, obviously. And yeah, it can just, it can be really, really hard to find the clarity and, and that brevity. Sometimes we know so much, we want to put everything on the page and people don't need to know everything, at least not right away, at least not all at once. And so being able to hand a project like like a sales page off to a copywriter to create for you from scratch is really, really helpful. But also if you've already created something, hand it to an editor. Say, hey, I really, I, I want this to convert or I want this to connect or whatever the, the goal of the particular piece of copy or content is. And they will look at it through those fresh eyes through the eyes that have been trained to do it <laughs> and really help you with that, with that clarity and that connection. How do you know if a copywriter or an editor is a good fit for you? Because like everything else, like we were saying, there's sort of that 10% market window. So yeah. how do you, how do you evaluate that? So most copywriters work within a niche. And like I said, I work with personal brands um, and, and those personal brands are usually service providers of some sort. And they are also usually B2B companies. Um, so that's a good place to start. If you are, you know, if you have a, a therapy practice, you probably want to look for a copywriter who is in the mental health space. Or if you are, if you own a gym, you probably want to look for someone who's in the physical health space. And as many types of business as, as there are, there, there is a copywriter for each one of you. So starting there, and then a couple things, looking at their, usually, usually we'll have a portfolio on our website that has some samples of work that we've done, looking at, is there variety in the voice or does it sound like the same person wrote all of this? Because obviously you want your copywriter to be able to write in your voice if you're a personal brand or the voice of your organization if you're not. And then getting on a call with them. If, they're, if you like what you see on their profile, if it sounds like they do work that that is what you need, whether that is Oh, I need, a, I need something like conversion copy, like emails, like sales pages, or maybe I'm looking for someone to write blogs for me or something like that. And then when you get on a call with them, really feel out what that personal relationship feels like. I am a big proponent of making sure that energy matches moving back and forth because you're going to work pretty closely with your copywriter. There is going to be quite a bit of back and forth. They're going to have a lot of questions for you about your program, about your organization, about how you got there, about what you want to communicate, about who your client is, about what their needs are. And so you want to make sure that it's someone who you really feel comfortable with. Depending on who you are, you may want to go beyond that and be like, I need to enjoy this person. I need to have fun with this person. But definitely at a, at a base level, make sure that you're communicating well, 
make sure that they are answering your questions. Please do ask questions. <laughs> um, make sure that they're leaving space for you to give feedback and ask questions. Yeah, that, that's that was great. that was a lot, but I think that there's there's a lot that goes into selecting any sort of contractor really, but because a copywriter has to be so intimately connected with who you are and who your brand is, what your brand is, I think that it it can go, it can be even deeper and more involved than than some other types of contracting. Yeah. I wouldn't absolutely. probably worry as much about a bookkeeper or some someone that is just like is super like hard skills. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. Copywriting is its own unique realm. I mean, I got my start as a copywriter and definitely that theater training comes into play, mm -hmm. adopting someone else's voice and vernacular and being able to bring that to the forefront and all the things that you're saying. And it's a, it's a very personalized experience. So really yeah, I think is, you yeah. nailed it on how to how to choose one appropriately. And you don't know what you don't know, especially when you're first mm -hmm. starting out, right? So I'm glad our listeners had a chance yeah. to hear that and can, you know, take that away and decide who is actually the right person here instead of just choosing, you know, maybe the cheapest. Right. And, and that's a big thing because there, there, there are many, 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 many copywriters out there. And so there is a large range of investment and there's a large range of quality and so I think that that goes back to really looking at looking at their portfolio seeing what they've created looking most of us will have testimonials or case studies are in, on our website too um, what I would probably not suggest is asking copywriters to write something for free as a test project. Definitely do a test project. I always do a small project with each of my new clients before we agree to you know, rewriting a full website or something like that. But it is work and it is an effort and it is an investment of their time and energy and intellect. So I believe the test project should be paid projects. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think I agree with that. It's kind of the same with any other aspect of a business contractor, mm -hmm. you know, even if someone wanted business consulting from someone like me, you know, I'd be like, well, let's, let's get together on something small and see mm -hmm. if it fits the bill and then yeah. move forward from there because you want to make sure on both sides that they're getting yeah. what they want and you're getting the experience as the provider that you want mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. And you're always going to, even if you decide that it's not a relationship that you want to continue, you're going to learn something. You're going to receive something. If they write a blog post for you and you're like, mm, this is fine, but I'm not excited about it. First of all, you can have a conversation about it. If you really, if you liked the copywriter as an individual and you're interested in continuing working with them. Um, and if you're not, you don't have to, but you're still getting that content that belongs to you. That is your property now. Um, and you can use it to create social media posts if it would work better that way than as a blog or whatever you want to creatively do with that content. 
Well, you've given us so much to think about in all of this from like that big picture of brand messaging down into this more nitty gritty details about who to hire and how to find them. Now I'd like to know what is your favorite general business hack? If you are feeling overwhelmed, if you are feeling creatively stuck, put your shoes on, leave the house, go walk around your apartment complex or around your yard or around the block or whatever for 15 minutes. Because when you come back in, there really is like, there is something that, that clears up out of your brain and you can sit back down at your desk and you can do the work. So that's my hack. So what's your top piece of advice for the business gal pals out there? As far as business advice goes, I think take everything that you hear with a grain of salt. I see a lot of business owners working with a coach or getting into a membership group or following some quote unquote guru and feeling like that person's way is the only way. And we are all, we are vastly different people. Every single one of us is so unique and works in different ways and finds success in different ways. And so if something isn't feeling aligned with how you want to live or the the world you want to create, make a new choice. There is always a new choice to be made. I love that. That is so true. That's that's the best advice, gal pals. Take it to heart. (laughs) You can find your way. It doesn't have to be someone else's way of doing things. Yep. So where can we find you, Kathleen? If we want to know more about your TEDx coaching or your copywriting, or even just get in touch with you and say, hey, because you're so awesome, where can (laughs) we find you? So one thing is because we've been talking about storytelling and how to practice our storytelling, I have a guide to five essential rinse and repeat blog posts. And it's really, it takes you through five categories of blog posts. The idea is to create like unlimited potential content brainstorming for you. So no matter what your writing skills are, no matter what your business is, you can grab your five essential rinse and repeat blog posts at writecatcreative.com slash five blogs. So writecatcreative is R-I-G-H-T, which can be a little confusing since I'm a writer. For a copywriter, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We'll put it in the show notes. (laughs) You can find it there. Yeah. So you can go grab your, your blog guide there and use practice using all the things that we talked about today. If you want to connect with me directly, I love LinkedIn and I am the only Kathleen Melvin on LinkedIn. So please come join me there and just make sure you send me a note when you ask to connect because otherwise I might not know where you found me. (laughs) That is fair. That is fair. There's so much like spammy connections going on (laughs) on these social media apps these days I think it's fair to you know say a note and I I just friended someone who's in one of my networks and and we've connected many many times and I friended her on Facebook and she sent me a message and she's like hey how did we get connected because she didn't recognize me Mm -hmm. right away and I just thought you know that's great just to check in and be like so where do we know each other just to make sure that it's 
not another crypto seller. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I I accepted a LinkedIn request from someone this week who didn't send me a note, but who I was like, "Ah, I might, I might know this person. And so when I messaged her, I was like, remind me, remind me where we connected if we've already connected. And I, I was like, please, please forgive me if that should be obvious. <laughs> We're only human. Should. <laughs> right. There are so many faces and names that we come across, especially in the online business world. So moral of the story, send a note when you yeah, just say, to hey. be friends with somebody online. I love that. Make it real. Make it personal. That's what I always say. Don't friend me unless you want to be friends because that's what it's for. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Kathleen. It's been great connecting with you. And this episode just is a wealth of information. So I really appreciate your time. Absolutely. I appreciate you having me. 